Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast, featuring in-depth conversations with executives, leaders, influencers, and journalists in this dynamic, high-stakes industry. Hosted by Craig Pickett, founder of Northstar Group, the boutique executive search firm for the aerospace industry. You'll learn how top aerospace executives are developing their people, competing for talent, overcoming challenges, and adjusting to industry trends to drive growth and profits. And now, let's join your host, Craig Pickett. Hey, today we're on the phone with uh, Alistair White, editor and co-owner of Corporate Jet Investor. Alistair is one of the premier journalists in the uh, the business aviation industry, and just an overall great guy. So, Alistair, what's happening in London tonight? I can't live up to that introduction, I don't think. Um, it's, it's quiet now in London. Uh, it's, it's, I've, I've just got the children to bed, so um, I'm, I'm all yours. You're all, you're all mine. <laughs> well, well, good. So, uh, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. So, good. So, you and I met. You and I met at Corporate Jet Investor in Miami last couple of years, and uh, it's one of the best conferences I think in the industry. How did you? Uh, how did you come to start Corporate Jet Investor? And I know you've got a long journalism background, but how did you how did you move into the entrepreneurial role? So lucky, I am. Um, I met my wife at work at our, at my the last company I worked at, and I was a journalist mainly writing about airlines and airline finance. And she worked in the conference division, uh, running, and she ended up running the conferences about um, airline finance. And so we met. Um, fortunately, we were in different divisions, so we didn't have any uh, any real hassles working together. Um, and then when she was on maternity leave with our second child, I had quite a nice bonus payout. So it was it was an opportunity to do something on our own, which we'd always wanted to do. And so we launched Corporate Jet Semester in 2010. And when we launched it, we knew, you know, that we started looking at this in 2008. And when we finally launched in 2010, we knew the market was bad, um, but we were confident, you know, by 2012, it would be back up into boom again. Mm-hmm. So we were completely wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nothing like uh, nothing like uh, starting a, a new business in a bad economy, right? I think there's this big advantage, though, isn't it, doing it? It makes you much leaner. And, you know, and, and I think if you can survive the bad times, it, in some ways, I think it was easier for us than a lot of the existing um conference companies and publications because we had a very small infrastructure it was from a shed in the bottom of our garden there was um you know we 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 pretty much started with two part-time employees um you know working with us both of whom still work for us and it was just uh you know it was very lean and it was it was very cost conscious a lot of economy flights to mbaa and staying in really uh dodgy hotels (laughs) So, you know, I, I personally think, you know, corporate jet, I think CJI, corporate jet investors, it, it literally is one of the best conferences I've been to. And, and that's not just blowing smoke. It, it really is a, it's a lot of fun. It's a great crowd. You know, you started it in 2010, but you, you go there, you're the guy. How did you, how did you become the guy? I, I, well, I, I, obviously I'm British. So I'm, I, I, you know, I, I have to at least put on false modesty, but, um, and I think we're lucky. I think we've got a nice niche. I think, you know, we're very small compared to a lot of the, you know, to an MBAA or a, um, an eBase, uh, oh, sorry, an MBase or an eBase or an A-base. Um, and I think that's just, I think that's our USP is it's small. It's a, it's a nice hotel. Um, we have really good speakers, which we're, you know, we're really lucky. You've, you spoke at the last one in Miami. Um, you know, we've got great speakers who, and also I think, 
the speakers put a lot of effort in. And then also, it's, it's just a lovely community, isn't it? It's a nice group of people. Yep. And so it's, it's, it's fun spending time you know, in, in a nice surroundings with really good content and, and great networking. The, I think the thing that, you know, it's really just, it's, you know, the thing that amazed me the most was, you know, you got a really diverse crowd that comes. I mean, you, you got Kenny Dichter who comes down every year from, you know, from Wheels Up. This year was Ken Rickey. Um, you've got the guys, you know, Paul Tao that started Stellar Labs. You got, you know, a lot of CEOs. You've got a lot of big names in industry. Mark Burns comes down from Gulfstream. You know, you've got, you've got some of the biggest names in industry. How did you, uh, you know, that, you obviously didn't get there by accident. You know, how did you, uh, how did you create that much buzz around, you know, corporate jet investor and getting, getting all those people together? Did you? you know? I think, yeah, I don't, I think it sort of happens organically. One of the things which, so our London conference has been going the longest. Um, and one of the things which we, really worked hard um, at is I'm, I'm really by background I'm, I'm not really an aviation journalist although I've written about aviation for um, you know almost 20 years I'm a financial journalist so I, you know I've, I'm always really interested in the financing of things and and once um, and we're really lucky we got to know the banks very well and it was a bit serendipitous where we we have great relationships with the banks who come along. You know, the financiers are interested in in what's going on in the market, and they sort of end up bringing quite a lot of people in. So, in in, in our London event, um, one of the big OE, one of the big um, MROs had a hangar opening in um, Switzerland during our London event, and they invited all of the financiers. This is about five years ago, mm-hmm. and nearly every financier went back to this MRO. You know, operator management company going. I'm really sorry, we're in London, and, and the guys were like, "What's this event in London?" So I think that was lucky. I think, and I, I think the other thing which is really unique about business aviation, uh, or comparing it to many other industries, is obviously you have the principal or the owner, but other than that, there isn't. You don't have hierarchy that you have in many other industries. You know, in the airline industry, airlines are king; they're buying. In this industry, you know, OEMs are important, but OEMs are very reliant on good brokers. Brokers are very reliant on good operators. You know, um, operators get leads from financiers or from lawyers. So it's an interesting industry where the, you know, where everyone, there's a lot of benefit if you're a lawyer who comes along. You know, it's it's not an industry where bankers will go, I'm not going to talk to lawyers, or you know, manufacturers will go, I'm not interested in talking to brokers. It's it's quite a democratic industry when you get away from the the principles or the you know the ultimate owners. Yeah, no, that, yeah, no, that's the thing, and that's what, yeah. When, when what I noticed was, you, you, you lawyers, bankers, brokers, people doing high end, you know, interiors, you know, um, every aspect of the industry comes together, and everybody's got something to talk about, and yeah, you really you realize how deep the industry really is, and how many people are out there making their livelihood off of it, and. You know, back in the back in the day when you know you know business jets were were not just out of vogue but were really politically incorrect. You know, you, you see how many people you know can get hurt when you turn against an industry like some politicians did. So I think that's what do you learn the most? I mean, you you go there, you're talking to everybody. Um, you know, you're the guy up there in front. What's the one thing that you take away from? These things. I think it varies at every every event, and it, and it's often not the session. There's often a session where you go, "I'm really looking forward to that one," 
And there's always some way, and I think every delegate who goes to any conference, you know, will look at the agenda and they'll go, okay, that one looks interesting. I'm not sure I'll sit in the room for that one. Obviously, I have to. Um, But they'll go, you know, and often it's the ones which I wasn't expecting a lot from are often the ones where you go, wow, you know, this is really interesting or wow, I'd never even thought of it. And I think the, I think the great thing about business innovation is it's so diverse and there's so many people adding value that, you know, um, I, you know, I think a lot of, um, financiers of aircraft weren't particularly worried about things like ADSB and then suddenly they realize, oh gosh, this is an issue for us. And I think, you know, or, you know, maintenance companies will suddenly go, oh gosh, you know, I actually, I never realized, you know, that why finance companies matter, care so much or operators will pick up on a new market. I, I think one of the things I'm enjoying at the moment is I think we're about to see a golden age of business aviation. And I think the last few years have been so awful, we've probably missed the big shifts happening in the industry. And I think, you know, one of those is membership, which wheels up and Jet Smarter and Surfair. And I'm not saying all of these companies will be the winner, but... Or, 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 or will survive. But I think that's a massive change. You know, that's up there with the fractional, invention of fractionals and jet cards. I, I, probably more significant. And then ownership's getting better. Manufacturers are now targeting zero unscheduled maintenance. Um, and we're getting, you know, they're building digital replicas of engines. They're monitoring them. They've now got the computing power to be able to actually analyze the data which they've been collecting for many years and then you've got things like 3d printing um it's a really exciting time and, and what's interesting is because business aviation has had such a, an awful 10 years the lost decades if he calls it the um i think we've missed a lot of that happening and i think although it will always be cyclical companies will always go bankrupt the experience of business aviation is only getting better and i think in 10 years time it's going to be almost unrecognizable do you think it's going to get, you know, I, I, in a lot of ways, I agree with you. Um, you know, just the technology and, you know, I was talking to somebody last week, you know, about blockchain. You know, blockchain is, it's not a matter if, but when it, it comes into the supply chain and ultimately starts to dominate it. You know, do you see, you know, do you see business aviation, business jets? Do you see them getting democratized? I mean, we talk about jet smarter. You see, uh, you know, blade helicopters up in uh up in new york um some other people are out there trying to do stuff do you do you see it getting democratized at all yeah i do and i think i think it's funny if you google democratization of business aviation you actually get more results than if you google democratization of north korea um <laughs> which you know which just shows you there's a lot of hype about this yeah. But it's, it is, it's, it's definitely happening. You know, wheels up. It, you know, you've seen Kenny Dick to sell. You know, Jet Smarter has got, you know, there's a huge amount of skepticism about Jet Smarter in the industry, but their numbers of members are astonishing. You know, the 150 flights a week they're doing between, um, Florida and New York area. You know, it's, there's a lot happening. Uh, you know, it's never, it, it, business aviation is never going to be, um, as cheap as getting on Southwest or JetBlue, but right. it is definitely coming down. And we, we, you know, the amazing thing is we did a survey of um, a thousand Americans, ra- random, and I think off the top of my head, twenty-five percent think they'll fly in a business jet in the next ten years, which seems ridiculously high. But you know, to be in the top twenty-five percent or top twenty percent of the US, you've you know, you've got a household income of over $150,000, a year. So it's not, it's not crazy. Right. In 10 years' time, if the price point comes down. Yeah, well, you know, that's what, yeah, I used to, yeah, I, I was doing, 
you know, search for one of the big fractionals a couple of years ago. And when I was interviewing salespeople, that was my question. Who would you target? And, you know, you, you kind of knew who to throw out. And it's like, hey, look, if you, you target the guy who makes $200,000 a year or $250,000 a year because he can either A, afford it because they make more than that, or B, you know, they're an influencer in a company. And, and look, the airlines cannot keep up with the growth in world business. Um, you know, you just, you know, there's, there's so much distress in flying with an airline anymore that, you know, the business, you, you would think that business aviation would continue to grow and grow and grow. Um, but I think if it gets, you know, there's, there's a good opportunity also, you know, probably that if it becomes as cheap as Southwest to be, it, it sort of kills itself. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but, you know, I think there's a premium to it being a premium. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting, isn't it? I, you know, th- I agree completely. And I guess probably what's going to happen at the bottom is there's going to be a blending that, you know, if, it, if you've got a, you know, an ultra high net worth individual or a company CEO flying in a G650 between, um, you know, uh, Congo and, um, you know, Congo and New York. That's clearly a business aviation, you know, landing at Teterboro using an FPO. That's clearly business aviation. If you've got 20 people jet sharing where don't know each other and are sharing a business jet of 10 people, five people, um, and it's a scheduled flight, but it's in a, you know, I don't know, Challenger or, you know, four people in a Mustang. It's right. very hard to say where that's not an airline, isn't it? And, and maybe that's going to be the blending at the bottom. I think yep. Jet Suites already doing that with Jet Suite X. Which is, you know, it flies from an FBO into, you know, it's, it's a phenomenal product. It feels like you're in a business jet. Um, but it, you know, and, and it's not an airline, but it, it looks a bit like an airline. Yeah, it's sort of, yeah, it's like that, you know, it's a modified, you know, it's almost like, um, yeah, hey, when you call, you know, you and, you and your buddies, you, have, you, you fly to New York and you get a town car or a big suburban and, and you go somewhere, you know, you, you've got a chauffeur and it's, uh, it's a little nicer, it's a nicer ride. And, um, yeah. It's the difference between, you know, a taxi cab and Uber and a town car and, and, you know, I think it's the, the whole industry is definitely gonna, how do you think, you know, how does that, uh, how do you think that changes how the OEMs think of things? Do you think that changes their focus and what they build? Or, you know, is it more, uh, we're gonna build this and you guys figure out how to use it? I think it's, it's fascinating what's gonna happen to the OEMs. Because if you look at a Dasso or a, um, yeah, Dasso has got a nice market. It produces, you know, between 40 and 50 jets a year. Um, it probably doesn't need to change. You know, it can, it's got enough. Yeah, I, I don't believe that the sharing economy is going to take over the world. I think there'll still be a large number of people who want their own jet, even if they're not, you know, the, even if they're only flying a couple of hundred hours a year. They want their own jet. They're happy to own it. They want their own pilots. You know, they, they might put it through a management company. They might have their own flight department. There's always going to be that market. And in some ways, I think the guys at the top, um, you know, the Dassos, the Gulfstreams, the large Bombardier products, I don't see them going. Um, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll look at changing, but I don't know if they have to. Um, I think the interesting one might be Honda. Yeah. You know, Honda could, you know, and, and, and it's, Honda's an enigma for us, isn't it? We can't, it's a really hard company for any of us to understand because anyone, or anyone who's not Japanese to understand. Because, right. But, you know, you worked at an OEM and the whole idea about, you know, Honda's been working on business jets longer than Ombre has. Um, 
you know, and they're proud of that. And but you know, can you imagine? You know, when you were when you were selling, you know, can you imagine working for a company that has one product yep. that it's been working on for thirty years? That was always, you know, uh, I remember seeing a press release about it was ten years of the Honda Jet. Now I'm not throwing shade at Honda because I'm not, you know, I'm not that close to it. But I remember seeing a press release, you know, ten years of the Honda Jet, and it still had not been certified. And, and, you know, I was sort of scratching my head on it and I was going, all right, you know, what's the end game for these guys? And, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure somebody's got an end game. They, you know, I, it's not necessarily clear to me, but, um, yeah, maybe that may be the, you know, that may be the, uh, the enigma. I don't know. And I, I just, you just wonder what they're going to do next. And I think it's an, inter- you know, it is fascinating. And I, I bet you they've got a 50 year plan. And I, but they just—they're very good at keeping a secret. Yep. Um, and I, but I think you know, you wonder if they could do something very different. You know, Ombre is interesting. Textron, you know, Textron can get any. It's very interesting. Each each OEM has a very different culture and a very different strength. You know, Textron are doing, you know, bring out, you know, bringing out lots of different products. Some at the smaller end, some at the big end. You know, maybe they'll come up with a, a new. People carry a SUV type aircraft. You could probably argue the King Airs like that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ombre is very innovative. You could see that, you know, Ombre is very interesting. You know, they've done amazingly well. You know, they've got a great management team now or, or you know, a management team which is extremely popular. There's a lot of goodwill towards Ombre, I think, at the moment. Um, so they could do something. And of course, you know, they, there's always the Chinese aircraft coming along that everyone talks about. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 yeah, I, yeah, no doubt. It's the whole. Do you, do you, do you see? Is there room for everybody? I, I, interesting. I don't see anyone going necessarily. Um, and I, you know, you look at the ownership. You know, General Dynamics seems pretty strongly, you know, mm-hmm. supportive of Gulfstream. Um, Bombardier, <laughs> um, you know. I, it's like a boxer who, you know, who, who Bombardier gets knocked down every few years and comes back up. Yeah. Um, I think Ombrea has got, you know, Bombardier's got strong government support, Ombrea's got government support. Dassault's a, maybe a slight in England. I don't see the Dassault family stopping no. making business shares. Um, and then, you know, who else is there? Honda seems very committed. You know, they've got huge, you know, I'm trying to think who else have I missed? Textron. Um, yeah, yeah, Textron, remember. interesting. Yeah. Textron's, you know, but you get the impression that Textron can almost get anything certificated. You know, it's their real strength, isn't it? Textron mm-hmm. can, maybe they don't change it that much, but, you know, Textron, Textron's a very different company than how it was 10 years ago. Yeah, um, And so I don't see Textron moving out. So I don't, I don't really see, you know, if anything, we're getting more and more for every, you know, Beechcraft that gets absorbed. Or every hawker that you know that gets absorbed and stops making, you get Pilatus coming along. Yep. Um, so I think, I'd, I, and I, I, I'm sure there'll be new entrants coming in. Yeah, no, I'm with yeah. you. I don't see people going away. Do I see somebody getting bought? Maybe I don't know. Um, you know, does you know does a you know does does Embraer acquire somebody, or does you know somebody acquire Embraer? Um, you know, Pilatus is out there. Great couple, of great products. You know, do they want to get bought or do they want to stay the same? I don't know. That it, it, it is a it is an interesting place to to look at. It's, it's and it's a tough from a you know you know this market. 
into, you know, you've sold aircraft. But you, you, you know, there's a lot of people targeting the larger aircraft at the moment. Yep. You've also got Airbus and Boeing. Um, they're an enigma as well, slightly. You know, they make fantastic products, but, you know, I think Airbus delivered, what, 600 and something aircraft last year. <laughs> um, no, BB, no ECJs. Boeing didn't deliver any BBJs last year. You know, but, you know, they, they do five a year in a good year. You know, that's right. interesting. But yeah, then you've got goals, you know, <laughs> sorry. And then you got, yeah, they do five a year and, and, and they fly maybe, you know, you, you, you look at the average BBJ that flies maybe, you know, 200 hours. They, they're, they're very low time airplanes. So, um, but, you know, going to Gulfstream, I mean, that, those guys are just knocking out of the park right now. Yeah, phenomenally well. I mean, although being a, you know, being an OEM CEO is, there's so much, um, Obviously, none of the ones who would ever admit would ever say this, but there is a lot of luck, isn't there, involved? If you, you know, Goldstream the six fifty has just been a phenomenal aircraft, and you know, category defining aircraft. Mm-hmm. But they were very lucky that you know it sold in uh, what two thousand early two thousand eight. Yeah, you didn't have to make your next deposit until twenty twelve, so you could hang on in the middle of. It would have been interesting if it had launched. You know, imagine selling a six fifty in. October 2008 or November 2008. Oh. Yeah, it, 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 they timed up, and you know Brian Moss, who was who was running it at the time, you know he'll tell you that it was he was lucky. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great aircraft. And, oh, it's but, great. You know, it's always, yeah. Hey, look, it's better to be lucky. How are, yeah, lucky to get. How are the buyers changing? On the 650, just in general, how's the uh, how's the corporate jet buyer changing? Younger. I mean, you look at you know, Mark Zuckerberg versus. You know, the uh, Barry Diller, you know, you have Mark Zuckerberg, what, early 30s, 35 years old versus Barry Diller, who's 80. Um, yeah, it's you know. interesting. I, 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 so my hunch would be that not as much as it should be. So the average age of a business jet buyer is still quite old. Yeah, I'm guessing 60 is the average age. Um, and there's a lot of people. In fact, I was talking to um uh, well, actually, Brian Moss is a great example. He used to be president of Goldstream. He told me that when he was doing the 650, one of the biggest objections he had from buyers were the older buyers going, are you promising me you'll deliver this before I die? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, will you really get it? Yeah, I'm, I'm 80. And, and, and that is an issue, you know, and, and it is an old... You know, it is, it is an old market. I think yeah. one of the interesting trends is it, it's become much more international, but mm-hmm. it's definitely going back towards the US now for a while. And I, I, I don't know if the, you know, I think it would always, it will stay international. It's very addictive, isn't it? This is aviation. Once you've tried it, you don't want to go back. It's, it's an it, it is, uh, what, yeah, it is, it is corporate crack as somebody. Yeah. Once described it. So, so you opened up a door. You talked about international. Um, I loved your recent piece on Saudi Arabia. So, for us in the United States, tell us what's happening in the world. Well, it's all about the United States at the moment, I think. I think the United States is hot. It's definitely bounced back. Europe's, um, I think Europe's coming back. Brexit doesn't seem to be having a huge effect yet in the United Kingdom. There are buyers out there for, for business shares. Um, it's, it's interesting, though, isn't it? You know, China's still pretty slow. But, you know, it, what, what's amazing about it, as soon as you start getting international, you know, the numbers of aircraft you're talking about is tiny. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, the Chinese fleet is probably, or the mainland fleet is probably about 300 aircraft, which is what you get at a busy U.S. business airport in one day, don't you? Right, Peterborough, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, Nigeria is, you know, was hot. Nigeria was a hot market for a while. It's, you know, it, it's now a very cold market with a lot of aircraft coming out. Um, Saudi Arabia has been, a, you know, it's the biggest market in the Middle East, but there's yeah, a huge number of jets have been handed over um, by people who were guests of the, the Ritz-Carlton. Um, so that market's tough. The other thing which I think is really interesting about the, the international market is it's so much more opaque. You know, there are, I've met operators who in the past weren't 100% sure who the actual owner of the aircraft was. You know, they knew roughly, they knew which, but you know, they wouldn't know which family member necessarily owned it. Because right. you put it through a trust, you register it offshore. Um, and offshore registration is not necessarily a bad thing. There's lots of reasons why you register offshore. Um, and it's not about tax avoiding, actually, in this case. Um, and it, it, so the international market's very mixed. You know, Southeast Asia's going quite well, but from a low base. Um, India's the great big disappointment that's never really taken off. Um, you know, Latin America... Um, you know, there's signs that Brazil might be improving. So it's, it's, it's a very mixed bag, but the U.S. is so dominant at the moment. Um, it, was, it was amazing. In 2012, I remember the CEO of one big U.S. business manufacturer going to me, thank God for China this year. Um, and, but now it's, you know, American companies are back and American companies are buying. Mm-hmm. You think China ever really becomes? I mean, you have three hundred airplanes over there now. Do you think it ever really becomes a a big market, or is that going to be a you know wishful thinking on a lot of OEMs' parts? I think China will. I think you know. I think we had a conference in Shanghai eight years ago, sorry, in Beijing eight years ago, and a couple of Chinese delegates, you know, very well-meaning, very you know, smart guys. One predicted that by 2020 it would be a bigger market than the U.S., which at the time was obviously ludicrous. But now it's, you know, China will probably always be 20 years away. Um, okay. But the U.S. is, you know, the, the U.S. is such a fantastic place to own a jet. You know, you've got, you don't have the, you know, you, it, it's easy to take off, fly. It's, you know, the fuel's cheap. You don't have any problems getting permits. You know, Hong Kong is actually a very hard airport to land at. Yep. You know, to get a slot to land at Hong Kong, and you can't park your jet there for a week. Right. You, know, you, you can compare that with any of the U.S. airports, you know, like Teterboro or, um, yeah. you know, or, or it, it's, it's just a very different game. There's more airports in Texas than there are in, more business aviation airports in Texas than there are in China, <laughs> India, Malaysia, Thailand, and I can't remember the last one, all combined. Combined. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it was, that was the thing. Yeah, I remember uh, I was talking to. I think Ty Dubay was the was the executive at NetJets. Mm. They sent him over to the to he, develop. He worked hard as well. He's a great guy, but I remember they sent him over to to China to develop that. And I was like scratching my head. I'm going, is this is you know, that, that's a very expensive proposition? And I think uh, I think they figured out it was very expensive. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not sure how that. You know, I sort of lost track of that whole effort. And I know there's a presence over there, but uh, I, I don't no, know. No, there much. isn't really. That's oh. pulled out. Have they totally? Um, pretty much, yeah. I think they got to two hawkers at one point, and they've gone. But you, know, the, 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 you know, the effort that Ty and, you know, but the great thing about um, 
Shanghai, anyone going to A-Base in a few weeks, yeah, you look at the Bund and it's got these amazing buildings built by British and German and American companies, all of which lost everything. And, and you, you know, and, and, you, and I think China's a market where foreigners go and go, wow, you know, if I can, you know, don't the old Lancaster, uh, Lancashire bit mill owner, if we can only convince, you know, Chinese people to add one foot to their, um, yeah. to their shirts, we'll be able to keep the mills of Lancashire running forever. China's just a very hard market to crack. It is. Yeah, it's it's just a hard market in general. I mean, I think a lot of U.S. companies have figured it out. A lot of European companies have figured it out. It's, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, you 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 tread tread cautiously. I mean, uh, the uh, you know, it's I don't want to say tread cautiously, but you know, it's it's a whole new, it's a whole different game than you know, it's a you know, it's a growing com- country and it's a whole new game that that needs to be figured out, you know, bit by bit. So, um, it's interesting. Do you think, do you see Saudi Arabia ever? I mean, does the, uh, does the Middle East ever become a real player again? Or do you think what the current events over there have really stifled? Um, (laughs) I was talking to someone who moved over. I better not identify even which company works for because he'll never get to visit Saudi Arabia again. And I think I'm pretty much, you know, won't be going there for 10 or 20 years after my article. But he, um, you know, he's moved over there with his family from London to build a business out there. And it is tough, you know, but the Middle East is, you know, is, is important. Interestingly, the Middle East fleet shrunk last year, um, you know, by a couple of percent. You know, the Asian fleet grew significantly by a couple of percent. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, the equivalent of, you know, point one in the U.S. is more growth there is more significant yeah. to the business aviation. Um, it's The Middle East will come back. It, it's, I guess the other thing is that it's very easy for us all to go, or people outside the region often go, oh, you know, it's a dangerous region. And I remember a guy from um, Beirut uh, saying to me, you know, this is like people saying I'm not going to go to, you know, it's a big area. It's, it's like people from going, I'm not going to visit, um, this was in the 80s, so this guy, I'm not going to go visit, you know, um, Paris because of the IRA in London. Or I went right. to Helsinki because, you know, it, it's a big region. And there is, you know, there's, there's some hot spots. Dubai seems to be doing okay. Qatar is doing terribly since the blockade. <laughs> yeah, um, well. It, it, you know, it's, it's it, Saudi Arabia is, is going to, Saudi Arabia is going to have to work out something because you don't annoy the banks that it, it has annoyed by taking aircraft that were financed. Right. Payment. You have to admire that, though. If you're stuck in a hotel, you know, you're under, you're under lock, you know, you're under lock and key and you're, you're negotiating your way out and you say to someone, well, I'll give you my business check and you know it's financed. You've got to right. admire the, <laughs> the cockiness. <laughs> here, here's, here's worth the, 100 million. Yeah. Here, 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 if you let me check out, I'll give you the, if you let me check out, I'll give you the keys to my jet and understanding <laughs> that, you know, Citigroup has got it all financed and, and now, yeah. uh, that's a whole new international, uh, uh, incident, right? So. <laughs> well, actually, interestingly, I think City are one of the few that, one of the banks which haven't got any exposure. But I bet, but it, yeah, you're right. It's, 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 and then, but then you can't, the banking communities, you know, you can get away with one or two things, but then when you next issue a bond deal and every major bank goes, well, we're not, we're not, we're advising everyone not to buy this because you owe us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll get paid in the end. Uh, I'm sure they will. Yeah, somebody will. I mean, somebody will make it quietly go away. It, it, it's funny how it always happens. You know, it, 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 these things tend to 
you know, get right somehow or another. So, hey, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. So you rub elbows. I mean, quite frankly, you you've you've got a lot of you got a lot of horsepower um, at the conference, and you rub elbows with these guys, and and they're all your friends. Um, I've seen you out there. What you know? How did you get to that point? What would you suggest? Yeah, you know, what would you tell a young you know, person starting a career or somebody who's, you know, kind of early career who wants to get to the big chair, you know, how do you do it? How do you, uh, how do you make these people, not only your clients, but your friends? Um, um, uh, showing up, I think is important. I think, you know, it's in the, you know, what's has, you know, what they don't teach you at the Harvard business school. I remember going to the, you know, I go to, you know, you show up, you get to know people, you know, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes, you know, it, it's a lot of, and the interesting thing is, I, you know, I've got close friends who I see less than I see, you know, lawyers mm-hmm. who I know or bankers, and and you know, they're friends as well because you, partly because you're spending a lot of time with them. So I think, and I think, I think showing up's one thing. I think, um, I think the other interesting advantage I we have is that we're very neutral. We're not, you know, we're not, and we're not competitive with any of those people. Right. Yeah, you know, we don't sell aircraft. We don't. I don't. You know, we don't do recruitment. We don't. We don't broker um, finance. We don't. You know. We, so I think that. I think you know we're neutral. And I think we're impartial, and I think that helps. Um. And I, and you know, so if I was, but I think showing up. Um. Obviously, I'm not showing it in this interview. Listening is interesting as well. You know, it's a good way to find out what's going on. If you're young and you're coming into something, you know, I think people. You know, people like listening. You know, like you know, people like being listened to and their opinion taken. Obviously, I'm not doing that now with you. Um, <laughs> well, I'm asking you. The, I'm asking you the questions. So now's your time. To, now it's your turn to talk. I know you do a lot of listening. So, but, but, uh, uh, but you know, that, I think I think that's an, um, I think showing. I think also. I think it's an industry that really rewards enthusiasm. You know, I think if you're enthusiastic, you're you know you're interested. You're prepared to commit to it intellectually. I think people like that. You know, what would you say? Uh, you know, I think you know, like you said, show up, listen, etc. You know, and and you know, the one thing. Do you think that we, as an industry, are we are we? You know, we've always been the 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 stuffy, you know, uh, suit and tie guys. Do you think do we do we need to loosen up a little bit? Is that happening, or do you think that the stuffy suit and tie guy, you know, works for us? I think I got through girls in there too, so yeah, there you go. Yeah, and, and that's um, you know, I think every industry is fascinating, and I think I think this is a particularly great one. I guess it's you know, well, I don't know if we are a suit and tie. Have you ever seen Kenny Dichter in his? Oh his man, everybody's a jack and tie. He shows up in a tracksuit, and he's like the uh, he's the man. Um, you know, I, I don't think I could carry that, um, but. I think, you know, the other interesting thing about, I think, is, you know, a sport I really like is rugby. And one of the reasons I really like rugby is there's a position for um, everyone. You know, if you're tall and thin, there's a position. if you're fast and, you know, skinny, you go out on the wing. And in some ways, what's interesting about our industry is, which is probably different to some other industries, I'm thinking maybe, is that there's so many different varied roles. So if I've got, you know, if I'm with a, you know, the safety officer or the, you know, the, the post holder at an operator, I don't necessarily want them to be an amazingly <laughs> casual 
Right, right. Um, you know, I, I, but then if I'm with someone like Kenny, who's running an amazing, you know, Wheels Up doesn't operate any aircraft. It uses Gamma for that, which I think is super smart. Yep. Um, and Gamma doesn't buy aircraft because Marwin and you know is not the salesman that Kenny Dicker is, and he'll tell you that. He'll yep. say it doesn't make sense, and and I think that's maybe I, I know I've got away from the season type. But that's another thing which is really cool about this industry. There's so many different roles, and it's not one type of person, is it? So you have fantastic sales guys, you know, at the OEMs and at brokers. You've got fantastically clever engineers and. And you've got sales guy engineers who are great at selling. You've got yeah, it's it's an interesting industry for that reason. Yep. I, I, you got some great bankers out there who are fantastic sales guys. I mean, it, yeah, that's what I think I enjoy yeah. when I you know when I see it, you know when I look at the industry and I go and it's like wow, um, yeah, you really do see a great mix of folks and and personalities and 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 you know yeah, Kenny is. I don't think one percent of the population can get away with what Kenny gets away with. He's just so good at. Being Kenny, I mean that's he's a character of all characters. It's it's you know to be said. You know you know the interesting about Kenny though, which is uh, which is something else I think would be for a young person going into the industry. Kenny is remarkably, um, he, you know, I don't think Kenny fakes. Kenny loves dealing with people, and he's the sort of guy who'll follow up and go, you know, you say, you know, <laughs> um, you know, Kenny will follow up. He'll check on, you know. You know, he'll ask how your family is, and you get the person he really cares. You know, you, do you know what I mean? He's not a fa- you know, He likes being with people, and he follows up. Yeah, you know, he's never rude to. One of the interesting things we have is, you know, um, a bit like when you, you know, the the old recruitment thing about being rude to the receptionist. Right. You know, we get to see people come into the conference, and we're a pretty small team. So if someone's rude to someone on the uh, on the, we had we had a journalist who came to one of our conferences a few months ago, and was uh, quite rude to everyone, and everyone was going. You know, they want a different name badge or something, and they want to, you know, and everyone goes, this guy's awful. You know, oh, 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 this woman's awful. Kenny doesn't do that. Kenny's, you know, beautifully polite to everyone, nice and friendly and cheery. And, you know, and actually, lots of people are, like Michael Amafitano is, you know. I, I, and I'm struggling to think of many people in the industry who don't do that. I, in the airline industry, it was quite common for the, you know, the person looking around the room for someone more important to talk to. Mm-hmm. And not be and being rude to the I can think of an amazing aircraft sales guy on the commercial side who's terribly rude to people, but would turn it on for a customer. Um, and I think that's an important thing. You know, be nice to everyone. I think helps. Be nice things. to everyone. Yeah. And the one thing I love about Kenny is you know go about. I'll just use Kenny. His enthusiasm yeah. for everything and everybody is off the charts. I mean, that's that's the one thing. If you could, you know, like I said, he's a character, but if you could just you know recreate his enthusiasm for everything and everyone yeah that's a great that's a great uh, uh yeah he's, he's someone you definitely need to do one of your podcasts with yeah i gotta get him on here i gotta i gotta figure out one day how to how to get him on board so i'd love to do I'll, that i'll email him so he'll do it he'd, he'd love to all right yeah i'll I, I'll, uh, I'll call him up when i gotta call him up here soon and, and get him on but uh yeah what so how do people, you know, we're coming up on uh, on 45 minutes. I promised you I'd keep it to about that. I know it's late over there in London. What, how, do people get a, how do people get a hold of you? So we have a website with a free newsletter. We've got the, it's, it's the laziest way to keep up to date with what's going on in the industry. We send one email once a week um, with a bit of editorial, um, trying to find an issue that, or look at something differently. And then just quick links to all the big stories of the week. So it's the lazy person's way to keep up with what's going on in business aviation. 
Um, we have a website with stories. Um, and again, we, 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 I think we've had a major change. We've got a couple of new editorial people coming aboard and we, we're sort of trying to do more insight pieces, more analysis rather than just every press release mm-hmm. in the industry. And, and if you, you know, we have live events in London, Dubai, Singapore, um, and Miami. So, you know, we, and our conferences, everyone's welcome. So your your most recent conference, you just had C Corporate Jet Investor London. That was last month, correct? Or two months ago? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So in, in, yeah. And the next one coming up, where? Dubai next um, for the Middle East market. And then Singapore in June. And then we'll be in Miami in November. Miami in November, which is awesome. So look forward to seeing you there as well. So the uh, the website's uh, corporatejetinvestor.com. And y'all also... Y'all also Focus on helicopters and yachts as well. You've got that vertical too, correct? Yeah, yeah. We we always launched Planet Sea Helis, um, and we we're amazingly lucky with uh, Richard Santulli launched a helicopter lessor the, the same week mm-hmm. we launched. Um, he sold his for one point eight billion to GE. I don't think we're quite in that ballpark yet, um, <laughs> but he uh, he's and and that led to a fantastic growth in helicopter um, investing. Um, although that market's dire at the moment, yep. um, maybe bad, yeah, that, thanks to the oil price. And Super Yachts was genuinely led by a couple of our um, supporters of our jet conference going, you have to do yachts, you have to do yachts. Um, so that's how we ended up in that market. So you got a couple of businesses, uh, and business is good. Yeah, it's great. It, it's, I think we're lucky we're growing. Um, and we, you know, and I, and I think because we've grown in a terrible market, we just got to hope that we have another, you know, twenty-year boom run now. Oh, if you like, you said if you could do it in down times, you'll uh, you'll do it in great times. And I think uh, I think the best times are still ahead of us. So um, I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll find out. But hey, look, I, I appreciate you being on today, and I look forward to seeing you at the next conference, and look forward to staying in touch with you as always. Um, no, thanks, thanks for being. So much for coming in. Well, no, thanks thanks so for inviting. Be- I'm, I'm loving your podcast, and also you did a great presentation in Miami. So thank you very much. Well, thanks. I look forward to coming back. Yeah, appreciate definitely. appreciate you being here, Alistair. Thank you very much. Thanks, Craig. Take care.